I've come to a horrible conclusion. What's that? We may be the most boring people on the planet. <laughs> we we may be. <laughs> and I say that based on this week's activity. When I sat down to review, what do we do this week? We did very little. <laughs> That's what my pause was for. But I, My pause was to indicate how little <laughs> we had done. And it was spring break, for goodness sake. I know, poor babies. You know what I think is the problem? What? I think the problem is that the holidays keep, or vacation times, keep sneaking up on us. Because we're not completely Americanized yet, and we haven't got into the rhythm and the routine of remembering, oh yeah, spring break's coming up, or Memorial Day weekend, or so we keep forgetting to take time off and do something with that. Yes, we should remember next year. Like, because it was amazing. The kids had a week off. We could have done we, something. We could have gone somewhere warm that's not raining. Right. But instead we stayed home and it rained. We did. And then we worked. It, yes, we did. But you were a great parent. You took them to the zoo. I refused to go just on my religious beliefs about <laughs> the engagement of animals. <laughs> right. Okay. That's why you didn't go, is it? <laughs> or I just don't like the outdoors. I was thinking that's probably more it. Yeah. How was the zoo? The zoo was good. It's under construction. I guess they're putting, I remember last year reading something about them, the city putting like $10 million into the zoo. That's probably not the right figure, but you know, some enormous amount of money. Right. And it looks like we're actually going to eventually have lions, which yes, the zoo right now doesn't have lions, but we might have them. And you're excited about lions? Well, it'd be nice to have a few more animals. You can literally do our entire zoo in about an hour and a half. Why do I feel like you're going to say something about Toronto? Toronto, Australia, Singapore. They all have really <laughs> big zoos. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't recognize most of the animals you took photographs of. Well, everybody laughed fairness, at me on Instagram. I only showed you one picture and it was a goat that was lying down. Well, it looked like a goat without any legs. Well, that's because it was and lying on top see of its them. horns. <laughs> it was missing one horn, in fairness. <laughs> right. So, what was I supposed to do? And then the other one, you had a picture of Tia with a large rat. It's a kangaroo. Again, was it lying down? No, it was standing up. Ah, it didn't look like a kangaroo. Well, I was just, she wanted to touch it, and I was like, don't touch it. They're like large jumping rats. But she wanted to touch it. And the zookeeper was like, they're very soft and they're very friendly. Just don't touch the really big red ones. What happens if you touch the really big red ones? I don't know. I don't know. They didn't really stop for people. They just sort of cased the joint. At one point, it was blocking the way out. Let's go back next week and encourage T to touch the red one (laughs) to see what happens. (laughs) No, let's pick somebody else's kid and encourage them to touch the red one. (laughs) That's horrible. Um, the real reason I stayed home, was. well, the real reason was I don't want to go to the zoo. <laughs> That's right. The second real reason. The, re- the excuse you used. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was I stayed home to work on our taxes. Taxes. So it's funny, you know, I, I feel like I just got grown up enough to understand British tax system. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Canada. And then after a couple of years, began to get the Canadian tax system underneath my belt. And then we moved here. Sorry, babe. And I've been here, what, is this our sixth year? This is, yep. And I still don't understand our taxes. <laughs> Which, praise God, for good accountants. Yes. Very thankful for that. You know what I've been doing when I should have been doing my taxes? What? Wait. Let me, let me rephrase that again. You know what I did in addition to doing our taxes? Mm-hmm. What? Was I spent a lot of time on YouTube. You did. 
I know that comes as a huge surprise to you. I am shocked and appalled. But I, I stumbled upon somebody I've known about for a long time and have, you know, watched his videos several times. But I spent large quantities of time this weekend watching videos of Ravi Zacharias. Yes, you did. Yeah, he's an Indian DJ. He's kind of got a hip-hop bangra mashup. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you just can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so sorry. <laughs> to say. Just, really, the only sound effect I could actually do is this. <laughs> That's why I married you, right there. But the thing is, women can't make sound effects. You know that, right? Only men do sound effects. Women, very few women can do sound effects. Okay. Give me a sound effect and I'll do it. Um, a machine gun. Okay. Give me another one. Um, an elephant. Wow, babe. You're impressive. You're right. I am quite good at them. <laughs> you are remarkable. <laughs> do you want to ask me to do any sound effects? Nope. So, <laughs> so Ravi Zacharias. Uh-huh. Actually, the first time I ever heard Ravi Zacharias, I know I made a joke about him being an Indian DJ. He is from India and Canada and America. Mm-hmm. But the first time I heard him was a mashup. Somebody had taken one of his sermons and mashed it up with some dance music, and it was really, really good. But anyway, I, I've watched him several times. But I spent the whole weekend, and for those of you who don't know who Ravi Zacharias is, he's a professor uh, who has traveled around the world for, I don't know, 30 years, 42 different nations. And he's a statesman for the kingdom of God. He really is. He's uh, His his main ministry is in the area of apologetics, uh, defense of the gospel. And so you often see him in debates with uh, leading atheists. And But he's so gracious and so mm-hmm. wise. And it's wherever full of he love, speaks, but brilliant. Yeah, wherever he speaks, he does a Q&A. He speaks to a lot of universities. I would highly recommend visiting his website, rzim.org, or if you're British, rzim.org. Or Canadian. Or Canadian. Or Australian. Or Australian. Or from New Zealand. Just go to the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) I've typed it out for you. Or just, you know, search for him on YouTube. Just great, 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 you know, like seven-minute soundbite answers. Anyway, it got me really interested in apologetics. Cool. I'm going to invite some of uh, his people to come and teach on school in second year some of his people to come and teach he has a whole team of people i doubt we'll ever get ravi he's like but two and a half years out in advance right but he has a whole team of people who minister and that would be cool i would be come awesome. on let's do that anyway that's what you can do okay my mom your mom well i got to speak to her this week yes you did. she was in hospital for most of the week and they didn't have wi-fi can you imagine a hospital without wi-fi well maybe they're trying to make them rest oh that would not be restful for me. <laughs> no, nor the nurses. <laughs> um, but anyway, she's home and she's really, really bright and really happy. And so everybody's been asking and thank you for your love and your care for my mom. But she's home. She's very bright. Um, she had an infection, I think, in her chest, which is why she had to go to the hospital. But alas, she's back. Talk to me about allergies while I sneeze. Sweet Alan has allergies, and Abby seems to have them a little bit too. She seems to be a little sneezing festival, but you have been definitely barraged. By. Is it because Nashville is a dust bowl? Is that what they say? Yeah, it's it's because we're surrounded by hills on all sides, so apparently all the allergens just stay in. So when the seasons change, is that what it does it? 
I don't understand how it I works. Yes, I don't know fully. And you've been trying to have hippie medicine on me. Everybody says eat local honey. I'm like, no, I've tried eating local honey. It's delicious, but does nothing for my allergies. Okay. And then you were trying to get me to do. Yeah, but you only had it three times. I have new wing of bat. <laughs> no, I was trying to get you to do all those Deterra allergy oils. Which you fed me what? Peppermint. Three, three times. Oh, peppermint, lemon, and lavender. Mm. Two drops of each Mm-mm-mm. in some water. And it did nothing. But you, you didn't take it very many times. That's, how, well, how many times are you supposed to take it? I took it three times in one like, day. You did not. You took it twice one day and once the next day. That was it. Right. And the reason I took it, I refused to take it anymore, is it didn't give me any relief. But I think it's the kind of thing you have to build up in your system, darling. Oh, it's just like that what it says well, in the hippie guide to magic. I health. drank an ounce of water. Why do I still feel de- dehydrated? Water doesn't work. Well, you actually have to drink a little bit more than that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you think this week I should just drink that what three, four times a day? I think they say two or three times a day. Why don't you try it for a week and then you can tell everybody if it worked? Mm-hmm. All right, fine. I'll try it for a week. <laughs> I will become a hippie. I will stop washing my hair. And I will wear hemp clothing, and I will use my essential oils. Okay. Anything else happened this week? We went to Flip Burgers, didn't we? We did, up in the Sylvan Park area in Nashville. We did. So we did an impromptu date with my cousins. We did a nice little double date up there. It was very fun. They um they do strange things with their sangria with, like, uh, What's it called? Dry, not dried ice. Was it dried ice? Yeah, it was dry ice. Or no, what's it called? Liquid nitrogen? No, it's yeah, that's hydrogen what it peroxide. Oh, it's something. I, I don't know if it's hydrogen peroxide. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it's something. Uh, like, no, it's liquid nitrogen. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of freezes and smokes the top of it and then it looks normal again. And then they had a foie gras milkshake. Yeah, which we really? didn't try. Mm mm. The guy was trying to convince us, though. He's like, no, it's quite sweet and everything. Still disgusting. Still <laughs> disgusting. They had good onion rings. They did. And the toppings on their burgers were uh, very interesting. You know what I had this week, which was delicious going in, but not so nice coming out? Yeah. Do we need to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, I've kind of already had. Mm-hmm. It was Korean street tacos. Mm-hmm. And they were delicious. But they did not sit well with my constitution. No. No, indeed. <laughs> Shall I go on? No. Okay. No, indeed. <laughs> I um, have some listeners' questions. Okay. Which might help us segue into our topic. Oh. The first one isn't a question, but it's a sweet comment. It's from Chris Law, who's an amazing photographer, by the way. His Twitter username is Chris Law Photos, and I browse his Twitter feed for some... I think Friday morning, and he takes excellent photos. He said this, I was excited to hear about your School of Supernatural Life students heading out around the world. I met your team to South Africa, led by Blake and Ashley, two years ago when my missions team from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry were also in Nelspur at the same time. It was such a pleasure to minister alongside them, have fun together, and see the ways we had so much to share with one another. When it was time for our team to head home, we really felt like we were leaving family behind. It's very nice of you to write that, Chris. Thank you. Our students are actually with a Bethel school team right now in Scotland. They were ministering together in Edinburgh yesterday. Yes, they were. That's correct. So we have teams right now in Uganda who, just the photos are amazing. The testimonies are amazing. Oh, yeah. Lots of healings and 
incredible. And the kids are so cute. Beautiful, absolutely adorable. We have a team in Scotland, an all-female team. So Mm -hmm. all the Scottish men that I know who are not yet married and are not creepy, you might want to head to Aberdeen this week and get (laughs) ministered to by some awesome Holy Spirit-filled women. And are not creepy. Yeah, well, I don't want our students coming back and going, bunch of creepy guys came up and told us that <laughs> can we like post some sort of link to a self-assessment creepy test yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> um so they were in glasgow they were in edinburgh and now they're in aberdeen this week so uh, guys we're so proud of you we love you we have a team in georgia uh, they were in mississippi and now they're in georgia mm-hmm. and they're in one of our favorite places to be they were with mac and allison yes very beautiful. St. Simon's Island. On St. Simon's Island, yeah. They're doing ministry there this week. And we have another team here in Nashville. And then we have another team who stayed home to pray for everybody, and we're having dinner with them all this week. It's true. Which would be awesome. The team in Nashville has been seeing some incredible miracles as well, apparently. You right. can find out all about that at org slash blog, where they've been blogging and posting photos and videos and whatnot. Yes. Right, you ready for an actual question? Yes. All right. This is from Nina. She said, hi, Joneses. I'm writing to ask for any wisdom you'd like to share regarding maintaining thriving friendships through life transitions. Many of my closest friends are courageously following the call of God in their lives, and the journey has yielded moves across the country and around the world. In your experience of living and traveling internationally, what kind of advice do you have for stewarding long-distance friendships well? I think it's funny because in many ways, I mean, we've had our fair share of people who've moved away from our life, and then we've had a fair share of moving away from other people's lives. And I think that when, for example, when I left Scotland, I left some great friends and moved to Canada, and they were very, very gracious in understanding that I'm now leaving their orbit of normal everyday life. Mm -hmm. So just throw in one aspect of living on the other side of the world is the time change. Like right. So even now, with friends and family in Scotland, realistically, I can't connect with any of them till the weekends. Right. Because by the time I'm done with my daily responsibilities here, they're all asleep. You know, Monday through Friday. Yep. So that instantly narrows down your opportunity to stay connected to the end of the week. And it's not like their life has got any less busy because I left the country. And now I'm in a different country developing new friendships, of course. And so you you absolutely have to adjust to a different rhythm, a different pace, and of course a different frequency of communication. And then I think there has to be a ton of grace on that. And we've got a bunch of relationships that, for example, that are long distance, and we don't see those people and we rarely Skype, we'll follow each other on Instagram. But when we see each other again at conferences or we're in the same country together, we just pick up where we last left off. Yeah. Then we've got other relationships with people who are far, far away. And I'm thinking of Gary and Sarah, for example, where we'll you know FaceTime with them several times a month. Mm-hmm. And then I've got other relationships where we, it's entirely text-based. And then I've got other relationships where they have just fizzled and died, not because you aren't interested in their lives or because you don't care, but just you know, the paths of life and the pace at which you're working, you just never come into each other's orbits. And I think you have to be very, very flexible with all those things. Mm -hmm. Because in the meantime, while we're here, we've cultivated new relationships. And so I think some relationships are seasonal and some relationships are lifelong. And the ones that are lifelong, they survive the distance. They survive the distance. Yeah. 
And and I would say with with those ones, even if I haven't talked to some of those friends in months, my affection for them hasn't changed. You know, and just when you do get to see them, it does feel like you just were with them yesterday. So, yeah. Yeah. Nina, I think it's interesting that you don't have to have people move to the side of the world to cope with the flux of relationships. Mm-hmm. Because even if those people were still here geographically, everybody goes through changes. People get married, people have kids, you know, uh, people get new jobs, and that will change the available energy, time, and impetus for relationships. And you, I think you just get to ebb and flow with them. And I don't think you can have one method for how that looks. You know, I think you need to just sort of almost take it as it comes and then just realize like some some friends, you know, like Alan was saying, somebody's texting with all the time. I have some friends I'm texting with all the time and I have some that I'm totally not, but it's usually both, it's both sided, if that makes sense too. So, what do you mean? Well, um, the friends that I'm like shooting texts back and forth, they do the same thing. Like they'll shoot me a text, hey, Miss oh, you, I thinking see. about you today, you know, blah, 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 or they'll send some little funny thing or whatever, and then I'll shoot it, you know, and it doesn't matter that they're in a different country right. and, you know, whatever. And then I have some friends who, again, my level of affection for them hasn't changed, but we don't really communicate at all unless there's those moments of coming together in the same place. Right. So I, I just sort of, I'm not trying to make one relationship look like another. I'm just taking it as it comes. So Nina, I'm not sure if any of that was helpful other than give each other lots of grace and you can't force relationships and you also have to let relationships breathe. Yeah. All right. Our topic for this week is based loosely off a conversation we had in bed the other night. (laughs) That sounds dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Not that. It was one of those, we went to bed and I just said to you, Hey babe, this is what I've been thinking about. And then we talked about it for a while. So do you want to do a recap? Well, I think we were talking about, like, what do you do when you know that God has a call in your life and it's more than what you're walking in right now? Um, And how do you balance that with walking in what you're walking in right now and not getting frustrated or taking your eyes off the goal kind of thing? Yeah. It's, it's funny, I'm in the process of writing an article for our website on that, which I, I hadn't put two and two together to realize that's what I was doing. <laughs> but I was. Um, I just think it's really interesting because we meet people all the time who have who have passions or desires or feel like God's put stuff in their spirit, but their environment doesn't seem to back any of that up. Yeah. A, a great biblical example would be Joseph, for example. Yeah. Who's all these words, dreams, and prophecies about his life. And yet for the vast majority of his life, he's either a slave or in prison. Right. Or both. Right. And so his surrounding context seems to suggest that he's a fool for even believing those things. And yet you keep reading the book and you realize, no, 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 all those words were pointing to reality. Mm -hmm. So how do you not get disappointed or discouraged or dismayed when you're working at Whole Foods but you feel called to be a film director? How do you not get discouraged when you're a stay-at-home mom, but you feel like God's called you to, you know, minister to the nations? How, you know, so we've just been thinking about that. And I, 
it's a real interesting challenge to say yes to God in the future as well as yes to God in your daily responsibilities. Yeah, because you need to stay in the present. That's the whole thing of blossoming where you're planted. I think as I think about it, like every job I've ever had, every promotion I've ever had, I've never really been looking for a promotion. I've just been looking to give my 100% to whatever's been put in front of me to do. Right. And even with, you know, church stuff and ending up in ministry and all that kind of stuff, I wouldn't have said that was the goal. My goal was just to serve in whatever areas were put in front of me that I could serve in. And things just kept opening up for me to walk a little further and walk a little further. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So I think there's, I think it's a huge key to stay in the moment, stay humble, stay present in the things that God's asked you to do and do a great job on the things that God's asked you to do until he opens the door to the next thing. I fully agree. I remember, I don't know how many years ago it was, that, you know, I had, I remember a number of years ago, I felt in my quiet time with the Lord, all the Lord was talking about was what we're doing now. And, you know, talking about, you know, prayer and prophecy and training and equipping and living in a different country and ministering in different parts of the world. And I was a school teacher, and I just thought, how is that ever going to be the case? And so it's weird because, on the one hand, all your time with the Lord, He's just brewing all these thoughts of destiny and dreams in the future, and yet the reality is tomorrow you have to teach third-year programming, and you haven't marked the homework that you need to do, and you haven't made uh, the assessment that's due on Friday. And so the the real temptation is to just drift off into the dream life about what God's going to be doing. Because let's face it, it's far sexier, far more interesting, far more fulfilling than doing your present day duties. But the, the trouble is I'm paid to do my present day duties. I'm not paid to dream about the future. Right. And so part of that is I just said, Lord, I have no idea. Like I feel all this stuff in my heart, but I don't see any avenues for it. I don't see any opportunities of how I can get into living in another country or how I could do this or how I could do that. But I do have these responsibilities, so I'm going to take the energy and the passion, the, the stuff I want to sow into my dreams and sow into today. Yeah. And I just thought, it's not glamorous. It's not why I want to be a school teacher, but it is what I am right now, so I'm going to be the best school teacher I possibly can. But you're always living with a yes in your heart towards ever, whatever God has for right. you. And you're taking baby steps towards that. But you're not trying to make it happen or crowbar your way into an, an anointing or a calling or any of that kind of stuff. One of the things I see a lot of people do or have a fear in their heart, and I certainly understand it, is, you know, we encourage people to serve somebody else's vision. And I think somewhere in our hearts we've realized or we've believed the lie that if I serve your vision, it comes at the expense of my vision. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely not the case. Mm-mm. You you sow where you want to go. So in us serving, for example, John and Carol or serving Jeff and Becky, like we find tremendous joy in doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's not at the expense of what God may or may not be doing in our lives in you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the line. It's It's saying yes to what God's asked of us now while nodding yes to what we think he's asking us to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So me going and serving the vision of my headmaster or the principal of the school I worked in wasn't a trade-off of the of the vision I had in my heart of what was coming. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I think I see lots of people scared to 
quote unquote settle down or scared to get a nine to five job because they feel like God's called them to be an entrepreneur or scared to, you know, put a lease on a house or buy a house or, you know, settle down or, or put down roots rather because they're worried that that's coming at the expense of the dream of their heart. But that's not the way God works. Right. You're not bigger than your destiny, so to speak. You're not going to do something that's going to talk God out of your destiny. Short of disobedience and refusal to say yes. I was going to say, well, hopefully you're not. <laughs> right. But right. I just think God's majesty is that you that you just blossom where you're planted and it actually accelerates the next season of your life. Yeah. I th- and it, So that I would totally agree with that. I just think from observation, some of the people that I've seen that I'm still like, why hasn't there been a breakthrough is they haven't learned to be where they are and blossom there. They're always forward looking, if that makes sense. They're always thinking about what they feel that they're called to rather than being present in the moment and learning how to serve or, or learning the things that God needs them to learn so that he can promote them. Right. So I think, you know, there's there's so many benefits of being able to live in the moment. And it doesn't mean that you stop dreaming with God. It's just that you recognize in dreaming with God, you say, yeah, God, that's awesome. I say yes. And now, right where I am, right where I'm planted, I'm going to walk out the destiny that you have for me today in this moment. Right. It's saying yes to the now. Right. It's so easy to say yes to the future because it doesn't actually require anything. There's no commitment, no follow-through needed. And I think that God isn't going to open up the future yeses until we learn how to be present in the now. I think thankfulness is another key, too, probably. Unlocking the... Thing. Well, just... Yeah, I mean, I was going to say unlocking the storehouses of heaven, but, but just, I think, living from a place of being thankful, regardless of what your current circumstances are, it does unlock something in your heart that enables you to live in the place where you are without grumbling and get whatever you're supposed to get out of it. So that's our encouragement for anybody who's listening to this, who feels like they have a dream and a destiny, and which you all do. But you feel, way. <laughs> you feel like you have something in your heart that you would long to be doing, but you're stuck doing something different. Mm-hmm. Do this something different with great aplomb mm-hmm. and watch God open doors that you couldn't, you didn't even know were there. Yeah. All right. Any closing thoughts, AJ Jones? Mm, I don't think so. Do you have any closing thoughts? I have two. Oh. We have an amazing conference coming up, May 15th and 16th. Go to musthavemore.com. We have Graham Cook and Jonathan David and Melissa Helser coming to the conference. Can I get a whoop whoop? whoop, whoop. <laughs> and then our School of Supernatural Life, we were talking earlier about our students. We are, um, our School of Supernatural Life, we were talking about them earlier. They're currently on outreach. We would love it if you would come and do our school. If you go to schoolofsupernaturallife.org, you can find out information all about our eight-month school. And we'd love the opportunity to invest in your life. And see God change it in radical ways. And we've already accepted, started accepting students for both year one and year two. So it's oh, yeah, that's right. That's what you it's did. Really, this week. really early in the year. Yeah, I mostly just read apps and accepted apps. Yeah, come on. All right, come on. Well, we hope you have an amazing week. Yes, we'll try and be more interesting next week. I promise. Yeah, we're going to try and do something dangerous or scary this week, so we have something to talk about. Wait, we are. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Maybe we'll camp in the backyard. <laughs> that could be dangerous. You never know what's out there. 